Our second reading comes to us from chapter 3 of 1 Samuel, verses 1 through 19. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord said, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you have called me. But he said, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that it was the Lord calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that have been spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I'm about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God. And he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of his house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, here I am. Eli said, what was it he told you? Do not hide anything from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what is good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. Friends, as Jean said, today we start stewardship season. Word must have gotten out, that's why attendance is down. 
That's, I remember having a conversation with my mom once about the liturgical seasons, Advent, Lent, and she said, my least favorite season is stewardship season. And she meant it completely seriously. And during stewardship, we often talk about budgets and money. And it's important because the church needs money to run. We have bills to pay. There are expenses utilized with being a church. But stewardship is about so much more than just dollars and cents. Stewardship is about being thankful for all that God has blessed us with. Stewardship is about recognizing that all we have comes from God. And this is difficult for us because we live in America. We live in the land of the self-built man, the person who built themselves up. And we forget that it's not us who builds ourselves up, that we can achieve nothing without God who blesses us. And stewardship is about recognizing those blessings, recognizing our gifts from God, and using them to give thanks and to glorify God. And it's not just our money, it's our talents, our time, our gifts, everything we have. But the question that comes up is, how do we know when to give thanks? How do we know when to employ the gifts and graces that God has given us? In today's reading from the narrative lectionary, we witness the call of Samuel. A couple weeks ago, we left the Israelites wandering in the desert. And this is one of the biggest jumps we make. The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. They finally come to the promised land. They settle and there is anarchy. They have a a political system that's ruled by judges and people do basically whatever they want. And it's Samuel who changes this. It's Samuel who ordains the first, not just the first king, but the first two kings, King Saul and King David. Samuel is an important figure. Last year, the narrative lectionary gave us the story of his mother, Hannah. And if you remember, Hannah was barren. She could not have children. And her husband had another wife who had many children, who mocked her and teased her for not being able to have children. And she prayed and begged and prayed to God to let her get pregnant. And when she did, she was overjoyed and she gave thanks. And as an act of stewardship, she dedicated her son to the temple. And that's where our scripture today picks up. It pictures, picks up with the boy Samuel in the temple. And he's mentoring under an old priest named Eli. And Eli is getting old. He's going blind. His days are numbered. And Samuel is the future. And Eli's laying down, and Samuel is sleeping in the temple where the Ark of the Covenant is, and Samuel hears his name. Samuel. Samuel. And he gets up and he runs to Eli because who else would have spoken his name? He says, Here I am. And Eli says, Go lay down. I didn't say anything. So Eli go or Samuel goes and lays down. And again he hears. Samuel. And he gets up and he runs to Eli and it's a repeat of the first thing. And this goes from repetition to almost being an Abbott and Costello routine. It goes on almost one time longer than you expect it to because then Samuel hears his name again. Samuel. 
Samuel. And he gets up and Eli finally realizes, you keep hearing your voice, it's not me, it must be God. Go and lay down. And if you hear your name again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel lays down. And he hears his name called one more time. And he cries out, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And God begins to impart knowledge on him. And the word of God is with him and didn't let a single one of his words fall to the ground. And he became a great prophet. He became a maker of kings. He became an influential figure in Israel's history. And he shows us that we are to discern when and how to use the gifts that God have called us. He heard the call to serve God and he answered it. And the first thing we do when we think God might be calling us is we need to listen. We need to listen in the night, listen in the day. God calls to us in many different ways. We need to hear that voice in the night. We need to hear that still whisper in the back of our head saying, Chris, Mary Jo, Penny, Alex, calling to each of us, God whispering to us, speaking to our hearts, to our minds, telling us that God has something that God wants us to do. And it takes Samuel many times to answer God's call because first he goes to Eli. And that tells us the second thing when it comes to using our gifts, our talents, to honoring God, that sometime we need to discern God's call in community. That it isn't just up to us, but we need to have our, often need our call to be recognized by others. Whether it's someone from the nominating committee saying, I think you would be a great addition to the board. Whether it's someone asking you to serve on a committee. Whether it's just a conversation where an idea sparks in your mind. I was ordained in the Presbyterian Church, and they take this idea of call by committee or by community very seriously. I slipped up by saying committee because that's what it is. To become ordained in the Presbyterian Church, when you first feel the call, you go to your pastor who then sends you to the the session or the board, and they vote to see if they agree that you're feeling called by God. Then you go to a committee of presbytery, the Committee for Preparation on Ministry, and they talk to you and examine you, and of course there's all sorts of fun paperwork that goes along with that. And if they vote you and you become an inquirer, and you start a three-year process where you continue to meet with this committee at least once or twice a year, there's all sorts of red tape and hoops to jump through, but also a lot of honest dialogue about what and how God is calling you. At the end of those three years, you graduate seminary, you've passed all the tests, the committee has approved you, then you can begin to look for a call to serve a church. And you might think that's the end, but they decide to put you through the community one more time. And when you find a church to serve, you go in front of the entire presbytery, and they can ask you whatever they want, and then they vote to see if you are indeed called. So in the Reform, uh, the, the United Church of Christ does something similar when pastors are uh, approved to, to serve a church. 
they are also voted upon by the governing body. So in the Reformed tradition, the idea of call being affirmed by community is very strong, and we see that with Eli and with Samuel. But the final thing is when we think God might be calling us to use our gifts, to use our graces, when we think God might be putting an idea in the back of our mind, we need to respond to God. We need to answer God. This story would end much differently if Eli just continued his cantankerous old man act and finally just said, just go to bed and don't get back up. Or if did we did like we do with Hannah sometime, be like, if we have to come up here one more time, there'll be no Paw Patrol tomorrow. But instead, he recognized that God might be calling him and said, respond with speak, for your servant is listening. And when we hear our voice called in the night, when we hear that still whisper in the back of our mind, when we feel our heart move in a conversation with others, that needs to be our prayer. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Tell me more, Lord. Instruct me, guide me, point me in the right direction. Tell me what it is that you want me to do. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. When Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, they were all fighting over different gifts and whose gift was the most important. And Paul wrote that there are many different gifts in the church. We all have different gifts. Some are teachers, some are preachers, some speak in tongues, some give. We all have gifts to give, and none is more important than the other. There are a variety of gifts, and when we think of answering God's call, we often think of clergy. But our board members answer God's call to serve on our board. Our committee members answer God's call to serve on the committee. Our choir members answer God's call to sing in the choir the fish bots answer God's call to help clean the church. There are so many people here that answer God's call to serve in different ways. And we think about gifts, we often think about the most visible, about preaching, about singing in the choir, about teaching. But there are so many different gifts. Every year at Advent, we put up the... Uh, the nativity scene that's made out of a white wood that Gene made. And Gene, he tells the story about how it was one man's ministry that came up with this. And he'd have sessions to teach others how to make these so that they can make their faith more public. He took being good at working with wood and made it into a ministry. Whatever our skill is, we can use it to glorify God. Halloween is coming up in a couple of weeks. And I can tell you one thing that I am not looking for, forward to is the movie It came out about a month ago. And I am terrified of clowns. And I know there will be at least one or two clowns that come to our door. It's something I've had all my life. I, I just, and I saw the movie. That clown didn't scare me because he was supposed to be scary. It's the normal clowns that scare me. <laughs> the ones you can't really tell what's going on behind that makeup. 
So I'm glad I graduated seminary when I did, because a year after I graduated, the, the chapel coordinator started a new creative worship program. And a friend of mine who graduated a couple years after me told me that they, she went into chapel one day, and there was a clown at the front of the chapel. And the clown led worship and made balloon animals and did all sorts of clown-like things. And I know if I walked in, I'd be like, nope, thanks, see ya, you know. And I would miss chapel that day. But she wrote in a, a newspaper something so, pro, or a newsletter, something profound that I kept it in my notes. And I, I want to read a part of it now. What it took away from these two days was a reminder of the variety of ways we are called to praise and worship God. I was reminded of the variety of gifts we are given and how we are called to use our gifts in meaningful ways. I was reminded not to let fear get in the way of using our gifts to build up the body of Christ in the world. Whether we are jugglers, singers, athletes, or artists, whether we have gifts for leadership, hospitality, caregiving, or mission, whether we offer laughter, inspiration, reflection, or organization, whether we have gifts for teaching, cooking, fixing, or serving, all of these and so many more are gifts for the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Friends, we all have gifts for building up the body of Christ. And God calls us to use those gifts. It could be our name called in the night. It could be a still, silent whisper in our mind, a movement in our heart. It could come in any number of ways. But when we feel God is calling us, we need to listen. We need to seek affirmation. But most of all, we need to respond with the prayer, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen.